This is the podcast going beyond salvation. This is season four, episode four of, and I'm your host, Jess Robinson, and we are continuing on. This is the Old Testament uh, version of the podcast where we go over the Old Testament part of a daily reading schedule, and then uh, there will be two other podcasts that come shortly. Uh, this podcast is coming a little bit late today just because it is summertime and uh, just some different things that, you know, here in Wyoming where it's hot and you get things done in the morning while it's cooler and then you come back inside when it's hot in the heat of the day. So essentially, uh, we're continuing on in in, in the book of uh, 1 Samuel and we look at David and he has essentially had to flee from Saul. Saul, you know, in a fit of jealousy, wants to kill David. Uh, and David, instead of fighting back, and, and you know, you think about it, David was anointed be, to be the king. He was anointed to take over the throne. And he probably, you know, in a way, if he would have killed Saul, he would have felt like he was justified saying, hey, I was anointed to be the next king. But that's not how David is. David, and we see over and over, David does not try to cause any harm to Saul. He actually, you know, respected Saul and calls him the Lord's anointed, the one that the Lord placed in that seat. He was allowing the Lord to put him in that position. He wasn't even striving to be in that position. He actually, you know, he was called into the service of Saul because of his ability to play the harp. He didn't go and do a tryout for to play music before Saul. He just landed in that role. And then he with with what happened with Goliath and he didn't strive to get to where he was at. He just allowed the Lord to place him in these positions. And even when he fled, even though he knew he was going to be king, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. He still didn't fight Saul. He, we see over and over in the daily reading that he would not fight back. You know, he, he played little tricks to show that how close, you know, he could have killed Saul, but he doesn't do it. He, he allows the Lord to deal with Saul for one thing, you know, instead of taking vengeance for himself, he allows the Lord to take that justice. And secondly, you know, he doesn't strive for the position and as believers, we can take that lesson as well from David that, you know, we have these promises laid out, you know, from God, he gives us dreams, aspirations, and sometimes we feel like we have to strive for it. Not saying that you just idly sit around and wait for it to come for you, you know, come to you like your, your dream business, your even just, you know, if you have like, a promise from the Lord to go into ministry or go into missions, you're preparing for that time, you know, practicing and, or, you know, researching, you know, getting into the word, doing what you need to do to be prepared. But you're not, 
you know, we don't have to strive for where God is going to play it, place us. And we should have that attitude of just, you know, going, like I like to say, going one step at a time. And that's what a lot of people say about us that, you know, those who are anointed by the Lord, they really sense that like me and my husband, we have all these promises from God, but we're one of these kind of people that it's one step at a time. You take one step at a time and let the Lord just place us where we need to be. And I think that's how we should be. And also as, as believers, when we're dealing with people who are wronging us, you know, when we're dealing with offense, especially for, with those who are close to us, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, you know, we could take lessons from David that David didn't seek the vengeance. He allowed the Lord to take care of it. And he actually respected Saul. We see, you know, in the reading that when, when Saul died and, you know, I'm kind of just jumping around, you know, when we see that Saul died and he gets the news he wasn't rejoicing. He wept. And and that just shows David's heart and the, and how close he was to God. And I think in a way too, and I notice that too, as I deal with people that I don't get along with, a lot of times I'm actually crying because I, I want the best for them and, and God's best for them. And when I see them not walking in God's best for them, it it actually breaks my heart. And so in our daily reading, we see that that David has to flee, but David still is drawn near to the Lord. And we we see that he goes to to Nob, to the priest. He doesn't let the priest, you know, he he could have told the priest saying, I have to flee from Saul. And he didn't. He you know, and I I understand that he was lying in essence, but I think he was trying to protect the priest, thinking that, you know, if Saul found out, then they could say they don't know. And uh, so he takes the sword of Goliath, he gets this sacred anointed bread, and Jesus actually refers to that scenario when his disciples were going they were going through the wheat field and they were taking some of the stalks of of grain and of wheat and they were essentially rubbing it between their hands so that they could you know snack on it because they were hungry and the the religious leaders said that's work and he refers to you know when David took the the anointed bread did God strike him down essentially no and um so this ends up happening and then he goes to Gath and, and we see this interesting, you know, story where he pretends to be crazy and, and the leader of Gath is just like, I don't want anything to do with him. Like I, you know, and it, you know, David had to be the way he was to, to survive out there. And so there's that story and then we get to you know David he has his his family go to Mizpah and Moab for their protection because essentially they also not only was David wanted but so was his family his parents his brothers could have 
if Saul wanted to, he, he could take his revenge upon the family to try to get David to fight back. And so he was sending his parents where it was safe. And we see it's kind of almost like Robin Hood in a way where these people start banding with him and, but he, he just continues on. And then we see Saul and his, his jealousy in, in chapter 22 and we, we talked about the one psalm with, with Doeg that that David wrote the psalm about. And it was because of Doeg's betrayal, you know. Um, and we see, you know, Saul's men that they don't, they had this fear of the Lord and they would not kill these priests. But Saul didn't care. He didn't care that they didn't know. He was so consumed in his jealousy. And that's how it is when you're so consumed with jealousy and distracted by the enemy. You you cloud out the truth. And, and that's what Saul did. And many priests died because of, of that. And we see that Doeg didn't have fear for God. And he actually killed these priests. You know, I think he was looking to gain, you know, favor with the king materially as well and just do what he wanted. And so this ends up happening, except, you know, one priest, um, Abithyar escapes and he escapes to David with the, the ephod and, um, he he goes into David's service and and David actually you know takes the the blame for for what happened he he takes the blame he doesn't blame Saul he takes the blame himself so we're going to take a, a quick break and then just continue to jump into the daily reading We get into chapter 23 of 1 Samuel and we see Dave sa- David saves Kyla. And um, what we notice about David, what I really noticed about this is David is always going before the Lord. Even like when it come, came to battle and we see it over and over that when he was going to go to battle, he always went to the Lord first. And as believers, that's just how it is when it comes to decisions in our lives, major decisions, where we're going to live, even where we're going to go to school, you know, as I tell teenagers, even when where you're going to go to college, we need to go before the Lord because he's the one that guides and directs us. It's his will. And we see David takes this seriously. He doesn't blindly go to to attack the Philistines you know he he doesn't that's just not how David is he always sought after the Lord for his guidance now there's a few times that he doesn't and and we'll come upon those times where he doesn't and we see what happens because of that but we see here that in this instance he does that and you know the Philistines are defeated but then Saul, you know, discovers that David is there and he, he's going to go after them. And even then, still then, 
David goes to, uh, you know, the Lord saying, okay, are these people going to deliver me into Saul's hands? And he continues to go to the Lord for guidance, for wisdom. And as believers, we need to do that. He is our ultimate source of wisdom and direction. And I tell, you know, I hear people all the time going, well, I just... I don't know what to do. And then I just say, go to the Lord about it. Well, I don't hear his voice. Well, sometimes you don't hear his direct voice. But, you know, for me personally, it's if I really don't have peace about it. And for example, you know, you know, there's always that saying of sleep on it. And I do like saying that, you know, if you can sleep on that decision, sleep on it. And if there's still no peace, even though, you know, you've slept on it, you've given it to the Lord, it is probably not a, a wise decision to go that way. It's probably the Lord or and through the Holy Spirit that is just guiding and directing you not to do that, you know, with or make that decision or go in that area. You know, even when it can't, comes to jobs, I'm very careful when I was applying for jobs that if I didn't feel a very for sure peace about something that I knew not to to pursue it and sometimes we get that way where we don't feel peace about it but we're going to kind of pursue it kind of look into it and there's times where the Lord just says no and don't even think about it and that's just how we should be so we get into 23 and he you know, he has to flee, and because of that, you know, David flees, and then he goes in, into this desert and of, of Engedi, and, you know, we get into chapter 24, and there's essentially Saul come after him, and this this famous story of where he spares Saul's life, and we see that David goes and he cuts the edge of Saul's robe but the Holy Spirit convicts him going no you shouldn't have done that and he comes out and says I could have killed you but I didn't and we see Saul weep so there was a part of Saul that wasn't totally gone but he weeps and that's how we should be when it comes to people who have offended us we should see with how David you know, how we can learn from David that he, and and we see the advice he gets from his men that kill him. You have this chance. And we see in the world today, the world, it's all about, it's a dog, you know, dog eat dog world. And, you know, if, you know, somebody is your nemesis, you get it to where they're, and and that was something that I had to deal with this week, just seeing over and over is how people treat each other when they don't agree, you know, and it's sad. It's all about revenge and harm, harm the person that has hurt you. And, and that's not how God wants it to be. God wants us to, to give everything, you know, we see it with the riots. Let's, let's riot and cause as much damage and you know there was this wonder, this, this wonderful saying from from a Christian, and they were saying, you know, you can destroy all the statues, 
that that brain offense to you. You can get rid of all these items that bring fear and offense to your heart. But unless there's a change of heart, it's not going to work. And that's the thing about it. You know, we see everything going on and there's, it's just essentially, yeah, it's just putting a band-aid. Which, you know, I, I don't agree with just destroying statues and, you know, getting rid of Aunt Jemima, you know, Bran. It, it's not going to solve anything. It really isn't. The only way that you can solve racism is is through a change of human heart. That's just how how it is. And God, you know, when we see people wanting to act with hurt, you know, I'm going to hurt you back. You hurt me, I hurt you back. And see, I was raised in that lifestyle of you hurt me, I hurt you back. And it it's been a a journey and I I give God the glory because he's the only one that can that has changed me because it was a journey you know I come from a family you know family line of you hurt me and I hurt you I don't care if I go to prison over it that was just the the family you know I'll take you to court all this and that's just how I grew up is in that kind of lifestyle other than I had a grandmother that was totally different she was like no she was so into the Bible and she's like, we got to give that to God. We have to give that to God. Let him deal with it. And so, you know, to God be the glory of who I am. And, and, and I tell that to my husband, it's like, I'm, and I, and I see it with, with coworkers that they struggle and it's like usually one person. And yeah, there are people that, that nag at us and, you know, it's just that, and I, like I, I was saying, you know, this week, it's the enemy. It's the enemy. He wants us to distract us from, from the task that the Lord has. And that's just put your eyes and your focus on Jesus. And I think that's what David was doing was he was keeping his heart focused on God. He wasn't allowing himself to discourage. He allowed God to take care of Saul. He allowed God to take care of of, you know, putting him as, as the leader. And we see that essentially the reading that we had, it's the, the journey David takes is it was building his character for who he would be as a king. And, and yes, he, he had his failings, even, you know, as a king, he had his failings, but we still learn from David that, you know, especially in his failings, what he did, you know, to get back right with God. You know, he was, he had this repentant heart that, man, if he hurt the Lord, it was, I'm going to get back and, and, into God's mercies again. You know, he just had this heart that was, I, he didn't care what other people thought. You know, it was, he, his focus was on God and we see that in there and and he almost messes up and we'll we'll talk about that in after this quick break (music) 
we get into chapter 25 of, you know, First Samuel, and it's the story of David, Nabal, and Ab- Abigail. And we see David almost fails. And, you know, he's still out there running from Saul, but he's still doing good. And we see in this this story that he was protecting Nabal's uh, sheep herders and his livestock. And all he asked was just, you know, just a few things. You know, he wasn't asking for money. He wasn't asking for, for glory. Just a few things. And essentially Nabal just shoves it in his face. And it's, you know, have you, you know, think of a time that you've done something good for somebody and essentially they just, they just ignore that good deed. And it can be hard. And we see David is angry and he's, he's going to destroy Nabal's household. He didn't care at this point. And I think in this time, maybe he was in a low. We don't know because he was out there still running from Saul. Maybe he was in a low feeling, you know, unappreciated. You know, maybe that was what was going on, but we don't know. But we know for sure is that he was offended by Nabal and he almost blows it. He almost blows it, but only, but God intervened. And protected David from failing through through this woman named Abigail, who's very wise. She realizes her husband has done wrong and she goes to make it right. She intervenes and we see that in this this story that she the Lord is the one that sent her to prevent David from doing a great in, injustice to all of Nabal's men because it wasn't all of them. It was just Nabal. And, and then David has a a realization that the Lord is intervening and that he realizes the wrong he had been planning to take such extreme revenge against them. And we've seen that, that this is against David's character because he was, he wouldn't even hurt Saul who, who's done greater wrong to him than, than Nabal. And we'll see that in our own lifetime, that God sends others to us with godly advice to intervene that, that opens our eyes because sometimes, yes, it is hard. You know, we're, we're all living in the flesh still, and we're not instantly perfect. You know, we're still going through this, this time and he protects us from doing wrong. And we also need to take that lesson of when others counsel us, we must judge our plans by God's word and the spirits leading in our hearts because people go, Oh, just follow your heart. But the heart, you know, the heart tricks us. What it means by heart is, you know, our mind thinking it through and going through the word and praying and letting the Lord guide us. And we see that he leaves the situation to God and Nabal dies. And then he ends up taking Abigail. And we see with David, sadly, David had a weakness and his weakness was women. 
And because at the time, uh, Michael, at that point, his first wife, uh, Saul had given Michael to another man after David had to flee. And and we see, you know, and and we'll see in in the we've seen in the daily reading that him and Michael never really see eye to eye. Like she loved him, and then we see it go go sour afterwards, and to the point she doesn't have children uh, with David. He won't have anything to do with her, and we'll talk a little bit more of that as we get to that section, but. Over and over, David allows the Lord to take over. And I think that's just something that this world needs is is allowing the Lord to give justice. To deal the justice. Because in 26, we see he once again spares Saul's life. And and essentially, you know, we see once again, there's one person there saying, here's your chance kill him and he's not David won't kill Saul he won't dare touch the Lord's anointed and it it gives us a lesson too who who we choose to give advice to us you know I especially in when it comes to our marriage you know being careful who gives us advice about our marriage because there are people out there that you don't want them giving you advice about marriage. And and we see, you know, so choose your friends wisely. Don't take the advice of every friend because sometimes and and it's not that they're meaning you harm. They think that they're doing you good. But you should just essentially listen to what the Lord says. Listen to the godly advice of those around you that are really trusted. And after he spares Saul, we see he goes among the the Philistines. In chapter 27, he flees. Believing that at some point Saul is just going to kill him. And he lives in this two worlds where he pretends to be you know raiding Jews but he's actually not and you know he's he's doing that and we see that's happening and we see Saul's reign is coming to the end and end that the Philistines are coming and we see Saul's reign is coming to an end and we see Saul going downhill even more and we're going to take a quick break and and talk about the Witch of Endor. So we get to chapter 28, and Saul is desperate, because he can't hear the voice of the Lord anymore. And... we see in in this story, he, he resorts... To spiritualism, you know, um, he in despair he turns to a medium, and it's a lesson to us that in persisting in ungodly ways instead of following the spirit's leading, it cuts us off from God's help. 
and calling on him will be useless unless we turn from our ungodly ways. Now, if Saul had totally repented and turned away from his ways, I, I believe the Lord would have spoke to him, but he didn't. And he just goes to a medium seeking and guess who he's seeking? He's seeking Samuel. He's not seeking the Lord. He's seeking Samuel. And sometimes we can put our trust in, into, you know, godly people and almost put them as a, as an idol and always just seeking their advice. And there's nothing wrong with seeking advice from, especially, you know, your pastor. There's nothing wrong with that. But part of that is also taking that advice, going and reading the word and praying about it and letting God's spirit guide you. That's the huge thing. And we see he uses, um, this witch of Endor and essentially, you know, she, she sees Samuel and she freaks out and it's, you know, and I tell people, cause people are like, well, what is wrong? You know, you guys talk about Satan and angels and, and demons. And it's like, and so what is wrong with mediums? And because they're dabbling into the occult and generally, you know, these spirits that they're talking to are actually demons. And this time she doesn't see a demon. She, I think she was expecting to see a demon and didn't. She actually sees Samuel and she's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And, you know, they can, you know, mediums actually can com communicate with familiar spirits. And, and, you know, I was sitting there, I just want to share that stories like this show up and people go, okay, it's okay to talk to the dead. No, 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 no. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean God approves it. It could be there as a warning. Don't go this route, you know. And, and we see that today. And actually, sadly, I was sitting here wondering because somebody was saying to, to somebody I know on Facebook that us Christians have it all wrong because the Bible says that when, you know, the, the king would comfort his, his men like sexually. And I'm like, where in the Bible did they say that? And it's like, even if it is in the Bible, it's not approved by God. So there you go. Or that, oh, you know especially with homosexuality. Well, Jesus was around the time where there, you know, homosexuality was prevalent. He said nothing about it. Well, he essentially did because when he was talking about divorce, he was saying about a man and a woman. He was a, you know, that a man would leave his family to his wife and they become one. He's essentially saying man, woman, period. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. Just because it was happening and it was common and you don't see it in, in the Bible, you know, essentially that, oh, you know, he was okay with it. No, God was not okay with it because we see later on the New Testament when Paul's writing his letters, he addresses it. And we'll go through that when we get to that part. So, so we have to be careful, but, you know, essentially, you know, Saul is going downhill. And he gets the realization, he's like, you're going to be dead. You and your sons are going to be dead. And 
And so we see Saul going downhill and the Philistines are coming and David's going to go. And I don't know what was going on if David at some point was going thinking military, you know, we don't, it doesn't say in the Bible, but maybe he was thinking, oh, I'll turn around and, and fight these guys. But he sent back to Ziklag. And I believe this was from God because as we see in, in chapter 30, Ziklag, his, his, their, it's ransacked by the Amalekites, the ones that Saul was supposed to, to kill. And their families are taken. And we still see something that we can learn from David. That when all, and it was to the point, the men were going to stone David. But David goes to the Lord. And the Lord tells him to pursue them. He doesn't tell them where to go. He doesn't tell them where to go. But David, and sometimes that's how it is with us. God tells us what to do, but we don't have all the details of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to step, step out in faith like David did. He stepped out in faith, trusting that the Lord knew where they were at and where to lead him. And lo and behold, you know, divine appointment happens that there's an Egyptian that got sick and left behind and he knew where the Amalekites were going. And David comes across this Egyptian and the Egyptian leads him to their to their family. That was all God. And they get every single thing back. And that's something that we learn. And we also learn that, you know, how David led. And he, you know, because there were some men that were so exhausted they couldn't continue on, but he didn't keep the plunder from them because essentially he told them, well, they were taking care of the stuff. And that's just so wonderful about David that we can learn. And then, you know, in chapter 31, Saul ends up taking his life. He ends up dying and, and that's essentially, you know, chapter or the end of the book of first Samuel. And so I'm going to uh, we're going to take a quick break and then jump into 2 Samuel. So we get into chapter 1 of 2 Samuel. And David hears about Saul's death. And we, that we get there and into this person part and... There's a man that arrives from Saul's camp. And we see this man lies. Um, and people go, oh, well, there's this man. And his story is inconsistent with what happens in First Samuel. So that means the Bible's not true. No, when you look at the context and this man is showing up and sharing the story, it's probably because he wanted favor from David, knowing that he had been fleeing from Saul. And... So it doesn't mean that, that the Bible's not true. It's just this man came with deceit and we see how David reacts. They tear their clothes. He weeps for Saul. And then he kills this man who was seeking profit because, you know, he's like, how dare you kill the Lord's anointed? 
And so he kills him. So this man was in trouble. And and David, he laments for Saul. And, you know, he just, he has all these good things. The man who pursued him, David had just a heart just to say he was, you know, he couldn't say a bad thing about him. And that's the thing about it. Like, you know, and I think it's hard, you know, it is hard. You know, we're in a, in a world where people, you know, they hurt you and you just want to put your guard up. You don't want to say bad, you want to just say bad things and protect people. But David didn't want to say bad things. And I, you know, in a way as a believer, we have to kind of learn from David in that, that not to live with offense. And, you know, and I, I was listening to somebody you know, in our church. And she said she used to just see the bad in all these people. And she had been challenged, uh, by her up upper managers. Uh, they had this meeting and they, they wanted them to encourage their, their, their employees to, you know, in their work and, and to, do it in a, in, in a way and, you know, such as writing a card, giving them encouragement and it forced her to not always see the negative. She started sitting there and really thinking about the people that she worked with, that she managed over. And for example, there was this one and, you know, she had always seen her as, as you know whiny but then she got thinking about it she says but I've never seen her taking a sick day I've never seen her take a vacation other than you know maybe one or two days out of the year she's like she's always here she's always reliable you know and she started sitting there and thinking of everybody and it forced her to see the good in them instead of the bad. And that's just how the Lord is, you know. So if you're struggling with with seeing the good, you know, you're just seeing bad in people all the time, really think about it. Think about it. Even if it means you have to write them like a thank you card or buy them a coffee or something, think about it. It allows you to think about why, you know, because we all think, you know, and it, we all think that there's somebody out there that's a mistake. And yes, you don't see eye to eye or they irritate you. God doesn't make mistakes. So when you're saying somebody's a mistake, you're saying God makes mistakes. And God doesn't. There's some good in people. And yeah, you know, they just have their weaknesses because they're human. You know, so... We see that with David and that his heart was, you know, I'm not going to speak bad about Saul. And he honored him and then he weeped over Jonathan. And we see David is anointed king over Judah, but he's not fully king. And which is so hard because it's like, oh my gosh, he's supposed to be anointed king, but it's not yet. And it's like, and that happens to us that there's, it just seems like breakthroughs coming through, but there's still 
just a little bit more to go through. And, and we see that, you know, David, you know, he comes across opposition and it's through the son, the son of Saul, another son of Saul that didn't die. And, and so, but we notice that those who fight against what the Lord wants, it, it actually says, you know, the war between, in chapter three, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. And it actually gets to the point where Saul's son makes a, a mistake and he offends Abner, you know, who has been honored and, and loyal, you know, to, to Saul. And then he goes to David and we see it's bloody and, you know, Abner actually kills, you know, on accident, um, and Joab's brother, you know, and, you know, they, Joab holds, and, and Joab's an interesting character in the Bible. He's very interesting because we see he's devoted, but not for the right reasons. And even though, yes, Abner had hurt him, but we see that he deals with insecurity that his position is going to get taken. And so that's why he kills Abner and he doesn't like it when somebody threatens his position. He's very insecure in, in the Bible and he's a lesson about what insecurity leads to. And so he ends up murdering Abner and once again, we see how David reacts. He weeps over Abner and the people approve of it. And I was, I always wonder what Joab was thinking when that happened. I always wonder, and it's like, we're not going to know until we get to heaven, but he weeps over Abner's death and he probably was like, oh man, you know, <laughs> but we see that happening. And sadly though, we do see, um, a part of David though, that wasn't right. You know, he ends up taking Michael away from her new husband out of selfishness, you know, and, and I think she, and as I, I said before, there's tension between the two of them, but we continue on and, and Saul's son Ishbosheth ends up being murdered. And once again, David kills the people that killed Saul's son. He was like, no. And David did not live that way. He was, you know, a man of integrity that way. And as believers, that's how, how we should be. It's something that we've learned from King David over and over. And he finally becomes king of Israel. And even then it's, you know, he's just still pursuing the Lord, even though the promise is fulfilled, he is still pursuing the Lord and his heart is for the Lord, but we're going to see a mistake that he makes. And we're going to take a quick break and then talk about that. So there's a, a mistake David makes. He, um, 
in this in this chapter in chapter six. And it doesn't say here in in Second Samuel, but we'll, what we will learn in First Chronicles when it goes over this story is that David doesn't consult with the Lord about moving the ark. Uh, he doesn't consult the. He actually consults with other people, and they actually the way that they they do this is one they set the ark on a on a new cart with oxen. And that's not how it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be carried by Levites. Uh, the priest, that's how it was supposed to be. And so he that was number one. He didn't follow the way that of the Lord, how the Lord said it was supposed to be, how it was supposed to be carried. And we see the results of that, that Uzzah dies. He's, he's killed because the oxen stumble and he goes out of you know, goodness in his heart that, oh, I'm going to keep that ark steady. And he dies because he touched what was holy and sacred. And as believers, we have to be careful of that, not to take shortcuts or do things our own way. We're to do it exactly as the Lord wants us to do it. And so that's what happens. And David gets mad and he goes and sulks, but then it changes and he he comes back and he does it again, but he does it the right time. And it's in a time that he's worshiping and it's just so neat. And he ends up blessing the people. It's this big old worship party and essentially. And then he goes back to his home to bless even his own family. He's such in a good mood. And Michael comes in and essentially she's like, you know, mocking him. But then he turns around and I mean, what an insult. He says, you know, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house. When he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more and I'm dignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And so we can take a a uh, lesson on this in marriage that essentially the enemy makes us see each other. We'll try to make a husband and wife see each other as enemies because yes you're living close together and you see each other's faults you deal with jealousy towards each other sometimes and we have to learn to to fight the correct way the godly way and also to learn to you know not see each other as the enemy and it's taken you know I've been married for seven years and it wasn't until I think four years of marriage that I knew how to start fighting for my marriage. And even then it's, you know, the Lord, it's, it's through the Holy Spirit and it, the Lord is there. He, you know, when I feel so mad at my spouse or something and he's just like, he puts a check on me and says, you see him as enemy, but that's not the person that you need to be mad at and rebuking. 
And so, you know, we learn from that and we, you know, people go, oh, you know, she was cursed and didn't have children. And it's like, no, I think essentially that they were so hurt for, you know, towards each other that yes, she stayed as his wife, but he never slept with her, never dealt with her ever again. And sadly, that's, that's sad, you know, to be in that state in your marriage where you're so hurt, um, so angry that, um, it just brings more heart, you know, heartache. And so, you know, and if you're struggling in your marriage, you know, get before the Lord, let the Lord help you and guide you. And there's, you know, good Christian authors that write, um, wonderful, wonderful marriage books. And actually there's the love dare that's done by the Kendrick brothers. It's, you know, in conjunction with the, the movie fireproof, but it's an awesome devotional and that helps, you know, people in marriage, strengthen marriages and even helping struggling marriages. So I would challenge you to read that and, and, and take that challenge. It's amazing. You know, it's, it changes and it's all godly. It's biblical. And that's just something that I, I challenge you on. And so that's essentially, you know, the, the Old Testament reading for this week. Um, we're going to, uh, for next week, we're going to go through Second Samuel uh, through, we're going to start on chapter seven and, uh, go through chapter 22. So feel free to divvy it up however you want and just take that challenge. And so I'm just going to end in a prayer and then just stay tuned throughout the day for the other ones. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, God. And thank you, Lord, that when we read your Bible, when we read of, of these people in the Bible, that you that you brought up and raised up such as king david that we can learn from them in our own spiritual lives lord we thank you for your word that guides us in truth and and how we should live daily lord continue to bring revelation into our hearts and and work through us lord and we just thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do in jesus name amen stay tuned for the next podcast mm-hmm.